Hello, my name's Eugene Ellis. I'm a psychotherapist and founder of the Black and Asian Therapist Network, also known as Barton. These podcasts, as ever, are a continuing conversation around the psychological life of Black and Asian people in the UK. Today, I'm in conversation with Sanjay Joban Putra, who is a senior lecturer in psychology at the University of Westminster. He has worked in a number of community-based projects as an Asian drug worker, alcohol advisory worker, and HIV-AIDS social worker. Within the context of identity politics and developing a voice in this area, his PhD explored the experiences of black and minority ethnic students studying psychology in higher education. His research has continued for over 20 years and contributed to changes in the content of psychology courses currently taught at his university. Here is Sanjay Jobanputra. So uh, welcome, Sanjay, to the Black and Asian Therapist Network podcast. Um, I'm in your offices here. Before we get into some of your research and some of your ideas more fully, can you say a little bit about what's, what's made you choose psychology and what's been your journey into the profession? Yeah, uh, thanks Eugene. Uh, yeah, coming into psychology, it was really quite a chance happening uh, and, and a happening that I'm very grateful about. Um, it all started when I was studying some A-levels um, at college. I was doing uh, uh, biology, sociology and, and history. Hmm. And uh, about three months into those A-levels, I, I realized that I was enjoying biology less and less. Uh, and I was getting more and more detached in the class, uh, in those biology classes. And I thought, I can't carry, the, uh, carry on with this. Uh, so I approached uh, my sociology teacher, who also taught psychology. I mean, what was it about psychology that was calling you to kind of continue and to be a psychologist? Yeah, the actual subject matter, the, the, the focus on human behaviour, on human experience, just learning about all sorts of um, different aspects about life, really, mm. uh, um, about uh, human interactions, getting insights into why we do the things that we do. For instance, there is the classic Milgram study, mm-hmm. uh, which explored the factors that, that cause people to behave in extreme ways simply because uh, they are told to do so by figures of authority. Right. You know, so that was uh, a very good example of very novel insight, if you like, that, that mm. psychology was able to produce. It felt almost like a, like a religion uh, mm. to me, in that it okay. provided an all-encompassing framework, not only for understanding behavior in general, but also I felt, for the first time, it started to give me some understanding about myself, self-knowledge, mm. knowledge of the self, self-discovery. So that was, in a sense, my conscious journey, mm. or the first stage of my conscious journey. Right. So it, it played a huge, huge role in that respect. Yes. Yeah. There was something about the insights that you found in psychology which kind of dovetailed with your own experience to some extent, I yeah. guess. Um, yeah. Yes, and sort of created some answers for you. No, I think that's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a really valid point. Yes, I think that, that is what it did. It uh, echoed 
certain questions within me, which I had been entertaining anyhow, and I think those questions themselves uh, were probably uh, fueled by my own upbringing, uh, being being brought up within a, a spiritual background where uh, the emphasis is always on, you know, looking at yourself, on exploring the sense of self, mm-hmm. on on things like serving others and how you can grow through your relationships with others. Yes. So it was those kinds of general spiritual questions yeah. which uh, then were complemented by um, the uh, psychological framework mm-hmm. uh, that, that I embarked on. Right. Yeah. So then I went to university. <coughs> it was such a wonderful opportunity to really immerse myself uh, in this process, to be given the license uh, for three years, mm. day in, day out, just to <laughs> engage, you know, in... Mm-hmm. in self-exploration as, mm-hmm. as, as well as um, pursuing uh, intellectual uh, inquiry mm-hmm. I mean uh, you know how how good was that <laughs> <laughs> you know so no it was it was a wonderful time really quite a, a significant occasion in my life and it was also a, a generally a very transformative uh, experience. Mm. Uh, you know, at, at that stage in my life. Right. So yeah, so I finished that degree in 1985. Mm-hmm. After a year or so, I, I embarked on some practical work experience. For instance, working in a residential hostel for people with learning difficulties. Mm. I also worked for six months or so as a as an assistant psychologist or psychology technician, as as it used to be called in mm. those days. Yes. Uh, and then I decided to embark on a two-year training course in, in um, social work, mm. uh, thinking that on paper it was similar to some of the clinical psychology courses I had been exploring. Mm. Uh, so I thought uh, it was worth a shot, and I did that. So I, I trained in social work for two years, and I finished that training in around September uh, 1989, mm. and then I worked in the social work field on and off for about uh, three years or so. I worked as a drug worker, I worked uh, in, in an alcohol uh, counselling service for a, for a while, and I also worked as an HIV AIDS social worker mm. as well. Did you find your psychology degree and your training and your immersion in, in, a, in the human condition and what makes relationships work in, in the psychology field, did that help you in those, in those professions and those places that you found yourself? Some of it was relevant uh, to the work setting, but, but, but not all of it by, by yes. any means. Uh, so, so it was useful to have that background, that anchorage in psychology in order to work in these other uh, 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 areas. What I noticed, of course, was that uh, with the start of the practical work, um, that led to the development of a whole new body of uh, knowledge. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this was theory uh, related very closely to practice rather than uh, just pure uh, mm. a theory uh, in itself. Yes, yes, yeah. 
Oh, I mean, what really comes across is your passion for psychology and the ideas and the explanations and um, the theories that come out of that. And that sort of gave you a sense of groundedness. And it sounds like you really enjoyed and immersed yourself in that process. I had an email from someone quite recently, obviously a mother of a 16-year-old boy. This is an Asian mother. He just passed his GCSEs and he wanted to take psychology at A-levels and obviously then move on to perhaps doing clinical psychology or whatever. And she was saying, as a parent, we're concerned that um, this is a very difficult profession to get into for an Asian person, especially in the UK. And we feel that non-Asians would not be comfortable coming to an Asian to discuss their problems and that it's also hard to get jobs and that the skin colour could be seen as a hindrance. I mean, I guess she's speaking from a, a sort of cultural context in terms of her own son and wondering about that and wondering about whether he's going to make it you know what prospects there are for him yeah that didn't seem to be something that you had in your own sort of personal field when you were going into psychology but is that a sort of general response from the Asian community about psychology it's it's interesting I think certainly when I did my degree um, there were very very few uh, students uh, from Asian communities mm. or other uh, ethnic minority communities yes. and, and, and therefore even fewer uh, members of staff. Uh, over the last 30 years or so, what I've noticed is, particularly uh, where I work here at the University of Westminster, and I suspect this applies to other uh, metropolitan universities as well, mm -hmm. is that the number of students who are doing psychology has has increased quite tremendously. Right. Um, so in some departments, the representation of eth ethnic minorities uh, can be as high as fifty percent. Wow. Possibly okay. even more. Right. So this right. is this is a, a considerable increase mm. from thirty years back. Of course, if you look at the more um, rural uh, psychology departments, if you look at uh, perhaps departments that are in the country, in the West Country, up north, yes, um, those kinds of locations, then I suspect the representation will still be uh, quite low. Mm -hmm. uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and the students there will, will still be conspicuous by their small numbers. Right, right. Relating this to then prospects afterwards. So, so I don't think there are necessarily problems in this day and age in, uh, in getting onto an undergraduate course to do mm. psychology. Yes. But really the issue may be securing some sort of training afterwards, some professional training right. within psychology afterwards, whether it's in clinical psychology, educational psychology, uh, occupational psychology, or, mm. or whatever. Right. Um, I suspect uh, it's, it's probably not as difficult as it used to be uh, because as the percentage of undergraduates uh, taking the subject increases yes. at, at, at the undergraduate level, then sooner or later I think those numbers will begin to be represented yes. uh, at the postgraduate, uh, at the professional, vocational levels. Right, right, yes. uh, so I, I think things are gradually beginning to change. Um, of course, what, what it doesn't uh, address is the more subtle issues um, around the, the subjective experience 
of a person from an Asian or an African Caribbean background mm. once they are on such a course. So although you may have a numerical representation mm. uh, on a course, what you don't know is what their you know personal subjective experience will be like mm. as a as a minority student which is which is of course the subject of your your research absolutely started to be a lecturer in psychology yeah and then something drew you to research black and ethnic minority students experience being on the course what first sort of drew you to that idea of looking at that it's it's a really interesting question actually when I did my psychology degree, only maybe about two years, three years after I graduated, I began to reflect on the nature of the psychology that I had been exposed to mm. uh, at university. Uh, for example, the psychology department is situated in the London Borough of Neo, yes. uh, which even in those days, 30 years ago, uh, had a very sizable uh, ethnic minority population. Mm -hmm. I think even in those days, approximately 33% of the population consisted of uh, primarily uh, uh, Southeast Asians. Yes. Yes. Uh, plus, of course, other other groups of people. But I began to n reflect on the fact that the psychology itself, in terms of the curriculum, uh, had very little reference, if any, to some of these other cultures mm. and uh, you know cultural differences in behaviors and attitudes and differences in, for example, child-rearing styles between different cultures, say the Asian cultures and, and the host um, culture, uh, with respect to, for example, understandings of abnormality and pathology. Mm. Once again, there are interesting differences in how people from different cultures construe mm. uh, the mm. meaning of illness, the meaning of madness. Yes, yes. And I felt none of that was really covered on the course. And then, of course, I was also aware that the numerical representation of people from ethnic minorities was uh, very, very low. Yeah. And so that in turn made me wonder what the experience must have been like for those people. Mm. I was blissfully unaware <laughs> uh, at the time uh, about these issues because I was just so immersed uh, in the subject mm. and, and this whole student experience. Mm. But it just made me wonder, uh, what, what might it have been like for these other, other students? Um, how might they have felt about the lack of representation in the curriculum? What might have been the experience been like for them uh, in terms of the the social uh, and personal environment mm. of academia? Mm. So it was these various questions that led to writing a proposal uh, mm -hmm. for a PhD mm -hmm. with a view towards exploring uh, minority students' experience. Mm. And of course you had students, you were teaching students, yeah. Asian American minority students, so were they giving you a sense of their experience being more challenging or, or less, less, less of a fit, I guess, is that kind of what you're saying with the, 
with the teaching that was happening at the time? Well, certainly by the time I, I embarked on the data collection hmm. uh, for the PhD, which which uh, basically involved uh, speaking to uh, black and Asian students from various psychology departments up and down the country. Right. By the time I started talking to them about their experiences, I was just amazed at what they had to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things I was really amazed about was their sense of political awareness at that relatively young age, which I did not have myself. Mm-hmm. You know, my political awareness only began to grow afterwards. Sure. But talking to some of these students who were late in their late teens, early 20s, I was quite amazed by their awareness and, and their ability to articulate their dissatisfaction yes. with their psychology degree, uh, their dissatisfaction with their interactions with some of the other students, particularly the white students, mm. as well as their interactions with uh, white faculty. Uh, so some of the things they were coming out with I thought were amazing, you know, their, their ability to uh, recognize uh, common stereotypes mm. expressed, mm. for example, by white uh, teaching staff about mm. whether a particular Asian student was uh, going to be married off as soon as they finished, uh, finished their degree or right. whether they would, uh, um, uh, you know, be, be in an arranged marriage and, and, and those kinds of things. So the stereotypes may have seemed quite benign uh, on the surface, but clearly that they were not perceived to be mm. uh, as, as such by the actual um, students themselves. Mm. Mm. So what really struck me was that if I had not engaged in, in these conversations with these students, none of this would have come out. Yeah. And the impression that would have been felt by perhaps other white students, by other white members of staff would have been that everything's okay, that we are uh, members of of academia, we don't engage in any stereotypes or discrimination, Mm -hmm. prejudice or whatever, there are no problems here, but by virtue of talking to these people Mm -hmm. and getting them to express themselves in confidence, lots of interesting things started to come out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, including the students that I was teaching myself. Right. I mean, none of them had actually uh, come to me beforehand to say, Sanjay, you know, uh, I'm having a problem here with this person or, or, or I'm not enjoying the, the, the curriculum in relation to this topic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they certainly didn't approach me with any of those concerns. It's only by talking to them that they were able to express these kinds of concerns. So you had to provide the space in order for the conversation to happen. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It was it was giving that space, giving them the permission to talk, yes. Um, yes. and conveying uh, the message that it was okay for them to express whatever yes. concerns, whatever grievances they may have had mm-hmm. uh, in a in a safe um, environment, mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a confidential manner. Yeah. 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 And you've indicated that the research has been sort of ongoing over, over time. Is it that you're continuing to talk to students as time goes on? or is that uh, we, Certainly the, the, the main PhD research um, carried on for a number of years. Uh, the PhD itself was completed in 2003. And then uh, something interesting happened, which was that in 2005... 
I was presenting uh, um, some of my findings at the British Psychological Society conference that was taking place in Manchester, mm. and some of my colleagues from the department were also presenting their findings. Uh, their findings were focused on other minority uh, students, such as gay students, lesbian okay. students, right. and female students. Right. And what struck me was the similarity mm. in the experiences mm. of these various minority students. Right. My, my colleagues and I were, uh, I were quite struck about these similarities, so we decided to uh, continue uh, with this research further mm -hmm. through a grant that we got from the Higher Education uh, Academy. We came up with some uh, very similar findings to the, to the original PhD research. Mm -hmm. And then these findings also indicated uh, the, the very complex and problematic nature of uh, the experiences that minority students have of mm -hmm. doing psychology. On the one hand, the vast majority of the students were enjoying the experience of studying psychology. Yes. But when looking at psychology uh, from the viewpoint of, say, an Asian student or a black student or a gay or a lesbian student, yes. then they became aware of all sorts of uh, difficulties, misrepresentations, non-representations. Mm. I think it's been a, a really interesting experience uh, focusing on a whole variety of students who identify themselves through some minority status, if you like. Yes, yes. You know, more recently, one of my colleagues, Ian Hodges, and I worked on a chapter together which has just come out uh, in a book called Educational Diversity. Mm -hmm. And that chapter has actually focused on exploring the common architecture of the marginalized student experience. Mm. Um, mm. So, so that's been really, really interesting. Right, so there are similar themes that come up in terms of how students experience themselves yeah, in the psychology training environment. That's right. Regardless of what minority they might be from. Exactly. And do you think that um, over the time that you've been looking at this area and talking to students, has there been a change in that perception of that experience? Or has that felt really constant in some way and you just learned more about it? It's interesting. I mean, uh, the last time we collected data uh, was a few years ago. Yes. Uh, so we've, we've been collecting data on and off uh, over the better part of the last... 20 years mm. uh, and certainly you know in that time whatever data we have collected in the form of interviews talking to these various students the findings are essentially the same mm. uh, in terms of this marginalized experience I certainly haven't spoken to students in the last few years yeah so it's difficult to tell whether this subjective experience has started to undergo a change or not. It may mm. well be that um, even the recent students um, are, are possibly going through the same right. uh, dynamics as, as the students that we interviewed. Given the themes that have surfaced that you have, I guess, integrated and maybe various other people who have been conducting the research have also integrated, 
Has there been a change in terms of maybe what you do when you're presenting psychological ideas and concepts? Is there a change to how you approach a class of students and how you might support the minority students uh, with their experience so that they feel quite so intense with it? Yeah, very very much so. I mean, uh, for example, we have a, a module called Psychology of Prejudice. Right. And so that serves as a perfect context uh, in which to explore these these kinds of issues further mm-hmm. about the experience of prejudice, the experience of racism. Uh, certainly the first lecture that I do for the Psychology of Prejudice module uh, usually has quite a substantial coverage uh, on the emergence of the ideology of racism mm. in society more generally and its later infusion, if you like, within academia and particularly in psychology. So we certainly are able to uh, address those kinds of issues uh, very, very formally um, in the teaching context and and also in other subjects which may not be explicitly related to issues of prejudice or whatever, I still try and incorporate examples that refer Mm. to prejudice and you know the feelings of being uh, in a minority a few years ago we used to run an IT skills module and one of the things we used to get students to explore was searching for psychology related articles right so one example that I always used to give was for them to search articles on prejudice Okay. Uh, so that uh, from that early stage yes, uh, yes. in the first semester of their first year it um, gave them exposure mm. to this particular area because I guess you're talking about the shadow part of psychology with a I guess it has a particular history which sometimes does have prejudice and sometimes discriminate against certain groups while there's this part where which is curious and gives a sense of meaning and understanding to the world of relationships. There's also the shadow part, which I guess you're talking about, which every institution has, which is used to marginalise and to discriminate with as well. So I guess that's the area that you're talking about, and the, and the module in particular around discrimination talks into. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so I, th- I think the psychology of prejudice uh, module uh, was born out of. Uh, a personal and a professional interest that was expressed by certain members of staff in the department. Uh, it was actually originally set up by somebody called David Milner, mm. who has now retired, but he did uh, a lot of work in this area, particularly looking at um, um, you know those black doll studies and the perceptions of preferences for black or white dolls amongst mm. children. Mm. Uh, so he he did a lot of work in that area uh, as as well as stuff around intergroup relations. Mm. And and also I think the module, as as you said, uh, reflects this this uh, shadow side of psychology. I mean, certainly psychology uh, during the early part of its scientific history uh, was very blatantly racist in terms of the kinds of things it got up to. Um, You know, there were psychologists who made very explicitly racist comments Mm. uh, about different groups of people. 
So Sir Francis Galton, for example, in talking about uh, you know the differential IQ abilities of uh, uh, so-called Negroes and whites. Mm. You had um, you know various other people around the beginning of the 20th century, mm. um, you know, which obviously influenced their research ag agendas. And then, of course, you've got the more extreme examples of what some psychologists did uh, in um, uh, places like uh, Nazi Germany, apartheid yeah. South Africa. Sure, sure. There you've got uh, really extreme examples of psychologists putting their tools yes. to rather unappetizing explorations yes, yes. Know, um, in which, which very explici explicitly I think serve to dehumanize mm. certain, certain groups of people yes, yes. although psychology is not quite as explicitly racist as it, as it used to be uh, there is still a lot of uh, underlying subtle covert mm. uh, prejudice and, and racism that I suspect still simmers away. Yes. Because yeah. at the end of the day, uh, psychology is, is defined by the people who work as psychologists. Sure, and, yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, not every single psychologist um, is uh, free of uh, you know, uh, racism or prejudice. Mm -hmm. So either knowingly or I suspect often unknowingly, uh, that prejudice must must come out yes, yeah. through their research, through their work, through their teaching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think these kinds of modules, like the psychology of prejudice, hopefully serve to redress the balance yes. and, and then also to give space to explore how these kinds of issues uh, have shaped uh, the discipline uh, that we are part of, uh, yes, of yeah. today. Because the mother that I talked about who emailed me is, is, is clearly coming from that place, of the shadow place right. from psychology. And perhaps thinking her son's going to have a hard time with the shadow of psychology. But, right. And it's important to, to name and to address that this exists yeah. for students, for both, both black and white and Asian students, to free them to, for, for dialogue around it, because yeah. then there's going to be some hope for change at that point. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I guess when you started, that that was the shadow wasn't really talked about in that way. I, th I think when I started, it certainly wasn't. Just to put things in context, I mean, yeah. I think that there have been, you know, a number of changes yeah. over the last maybe 10, 15 years. I mean, for example, the BPS, the British Psychological Society, mm -hmm. I think that has really started to, um, I think, take on board okay. some of these issues around diversity, around equality, mm. uh, around a more representative curriculum and so on. Sure, and yeah. the BPS has actually brought out a number of very useful um, publications over the last maybe seven, eight years or, or, or so. Okay. Uh, so, so, you know, that's, that's been very uh, encouraging. Yes, yes. You know? yes yeah. and, and I think there have been other initiatives by, for example, the HEA, the Higher Education Academy, mm. which I don't think exists anymore, unfortunately, but has also, over the last maybe 10, 12 years, uh, done quite a lot mm. in encouraging research uh, around, around this area. Mm. Mm. So I would probably say to this mother that their child would probably have a 
a pleasant, positive experience yes, of, yes. of doing psychology. Yes, yes. It certainly sounds like there's a lot going on as the yeah. research that you're doing and your colleagues, obviously, and other um, psychological agencies as well. Yeah. Sort of, yeah, so it sounds like there's lots of changes and lots of things going on. There are. There mm. are. Uh, it's I, very encouraging, yeah. It, it is encouraging. Yeah. I, I suspect, uh, you know, psychology probably recognises that it's, it's necessary for it to change. Otherwise, yes. it'll just be... I think left behind. Yes, yes. You know? Whatever the motives are, it's yeah. it's definitely changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Um, you did talk about your book. Do you want to say more about it? Yes, basically, um, it's a, it's a chapter uh, in a book. the The chapter is called uh, "Mapping Exclusion in Undergraduate Psychology yeah. Towards a Common Architecture of the Minority Student Experience," and this is a chapter that one of my colleagues, Ian Hodges, and I. Uh, co-wrote, yes. and that's um, appearing in a in a book called Educational Diversity. Right. So it has literally just come out. Oh right. Okay. Um, so if anybody's interested, yeah, in pursuing um, this area of research further, then I think that chapter is a is a is a good place to start. Yes. Well, I'll have that link on the website so people want to right. get the book and find out a bit more then they can do that yeah and to find out more about your research and some of the things the students were saying and I mean where would people go for that uh, they can certainly either get in touch with me directly okay uh, or they can look at uh, information on the uh, University of Westminster website right. uh, that's that's got some links uh, th- there is some information under my profile uh, on the University of Westminster uh, page. Right, right, okay. Yeah. So we're going to link on to some of the things yeah. that you've been writing about there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. It's been really, really great to, to, to speak with you, Sanjay. Um, well, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, so thanks. You're very welcome. That was Sanjay Joban Putra talking about his journey to becoming a psychologist and about his research into black and ethnic minority students' experiences studying psychology and how that research has affected some psychology trainings. If you would like to comment on this podcast or any of the other podcasts, you can email me at podcast at baatn.org.uk or you can leave your thoughts on the Barton podcast page by going to www.baatn.org.uk slash podcast where you can also find more information about Sanjay's writings and research. I hope you can join me for the next podcast when I'll be talking with Poppy Banerjee, who will be talking about Asian women and domestic abuse. Until then, goodbye.